Last week, we took a little bit of a break from our study through the book of Romans to give God thanks for all that he's done in our lives. Uh, We heard testimony after testimony how God had changed lives, how he'd poured out his blessing in times of need, how he's given strength, he's given encouragement through the word of God, through the Holy Spirit, through friends and through family. Uh, And I just want to thank all of you guys for sharing what God is doing in your life and giving us a chance to be able to celebrate with you that God is still on the move in his body today. And so just, um, it's just fun to hear those testimonies. And we we want to continue to do that if we can throughout the year. If uh, if you have something that happens in your life during the next year where, where God, you've been praying for something and God answers a prayer or, or whatever, sort of as Rose was referring back to a, an old VBS we had, to these God sightings. If you have a God sighting in your life where you see God doing something, um, let us know. We'd love to have you share that with the body so we can be encouraged, uh, not just at Thanksgiving time, but we could do that throughout the year. And if, if any of you has um, wants to share your testimony of how God changed your life uh, and, and how that happened and what that's meant to you, um, you can also let me know and uh, we'd like to give you an opportunity to share your testimony too. So... Keep that in the back of your mind as we move forward through the year. Um, I'll try and remember to remind you. All right. Um, so t- two weeks ago, we left off in Romans chapter 10, and we read it with uh, Luke 19.10 in our minds. We, Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And so as Christ followers... Christ's mission is now our mission, and we are part of God's search and rescue team. Okay, so we we read through this first part of chapter 10 with that in mind, and uh, and we're going to finish off chapter 10 today. Uh, But we need to be trained, we need to be prepared, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we need to be ready and willing to step out whenever we feel God is calling us on a mission, calling us to, to search and save the lost. Uh, at the start of chapter 10, we read Paul's heart for his people again, uh, how his passion for Israel, his nation, to be saved. And we, we uh, read how he prayed for them. And we talked about how um, we don't just pray for those that we care for, but we have to, um, when we pray for people, we begin to care for them. So, we don't, if we don't feel like we have a heart for the lost, we need to begin to pray for the lost so that we begin to have a heart for the lost. So we care for those who we pray for. So we pray for those we care for and we care for those we pray for. So make a point to pray for those people, um, not just in general, but specifically looking around you. Who has God put in your life? Who's God put around you? Uh, maybe it's somebody you don't even really like. Begin to pray for them that God would give you a heart for them so that when the Holy Spirit is calling you, <laughs> you are willing to step out in faith and share. Um, our key verses from last, not last week, but two weeks ago, uh, were Romans 10, 9 and 10, and Romans 14. I'm just going to read those again before we uh, move forward into the rest of this chapter. It says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And then Romans 10, 14 says, but how can they call on him to 
to save them unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they never have heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? So as God's search and rescue team, our main goal is to share the message of Jesus to those who are dead in their sins so that they can be saved, so they can be made alive in Christ and become a child of God. Today, we're going to be moving from this passionate sharing, uh, this passionate seeking to save the lost, to, to share God's good news, and, and now we're going to be looking at the response of the hearer, the response of the Jews and the Gentiles. Mostly the response of the Jews is what we're going to be looking at today, but, but it's kind of all mixed together. And we're going to be picking up again in Romans chapter 10, verse 16. So here's the, the beginning of our text for today. It says, But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. So, um, faith comes from hearing and hearing the good news about Christ. So, with a heart of compassion to seek and save the lost, praying for the lost, and sharing the message, um, we, we can do all those things, but we can't make anyone believe. It's that old adage, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? Um, we can't make them believe. But you might say, well, doesn't it say that faith comes from hearing? So, if we've said it and they've heard it, then shouldn't they have faith? If they've heard the message of Christ, doesn't that make them have faith? And for the answer to that, we, we kind of have to dig in a little deeper into the Greek and, and the Greek language and how it functions. And I'm not, not a Greek scholar, so I had to do a lot of digging on this. But uh, interestingly, the Greek language uses five different cases to indicate a word's grammatical function. So there's five different cases that, that indicate its function, where in English we rely more on the order of the sentence, what, which order the words come in to determine how that word is, is meant to be used. So you may not think that's interesting, um, but, uh, but the application of it is interesting. Because the, in this case, there's this word, akeoi, okeoi, as the Greek word, and it's used three different times in these two verses. But each time it has a different case. So it's a different function. The first time it is translated, believe it or not, this okeoe is actually translated message or our message. That's okeoe. It, uh, who has believed our message? Then the second time is hearing. Faith comes from hearing. And then the third time it's hearing again, hearing the good news about Christ. So the part I thought, thought was interesting is that when we read this from an English standpoint, when we hear the word hearing, uh, it, we're tending to lean towards uh, it being used kind of as a verb, as an action, as, as something that has the function of a verb. But all three cases are actually a noun. So these are nouns. These are a person, place, or thing. So if we look at them in order that they're used and we look at their function, or their case in each one of these situations, it looks like this. Our message, okay, OA, um, is the thing being heard. So the message is the thing being heard. And then the second usage is our hearing says that is, so it's the thing being heard or being received. So it's the thing that we're, we're saying and it's being heard and then they're receiving it 
and it's being heard. But it's a, but it's a noun, and it's, there's a substance to it that actually is, is planted. It's received. And then the third heard, it's just the object of the description. So what is the thing that's being heard? It's the good news about Christ. So I'm going to find my spot here again. Uh, why does this all matter? Why does this all matter? <laughs> Actually, before we get to that, <laughs> you're going to have to wait just one more second. Uh, back in verse 14, it says, uh, we read, how can they believe in him who have never heard about him, and how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? Okay, so looking back at that verse, the word heard and the word hear are actually not the word OKOA. These are actual verbs. So this is just the action of, of sound being made and, and eardrums vibrating. So this is just a, a verb. Now, like I said, you might be wondering why this matters, and it matters because it clarifies what we're called to do as the person sharing it and what the hearer is supposed to do. So what is our job and what is the hearer's job? Our job is just to say the words out loud. We just, our job is to say the words out loud. We can't make them believe, but our job is to say the words out loud in the verb sense, but in order for somebody to be saved, they have to hear, the, they have to hear it in the noun sense. Uh, they have to receive the message. So we're sharing a noun, but, but, that's, but we're, we're mostly, we're, we're, we have to speak it. We, have to, we, can't, we can't force it into the ground um, if, if the ground is hard. Um, but we can, we can share it. The message is a seed, and it's only heard in the verb, if it's only heard as a verb sense, um, it lays on the surface, and it doesn't produce anything. But when it's received into soft soil, it takes root and it grows. So if you do the action of planting corn, if you take your tractor and your planter and you, and you drive across a asphalt parking lot, uh, <laughs> you're... The, the action is taking place, but the verb, or sorry, the noun is not, the, the, the seed is not actually going in. There's no planting of the seed because it's too hard. The ground is rejecting it. Not everyone welcomes the good news. In the book of Acts, Paul quotes Isaiah saying to those who refuse to believe, this is Acts 28, verse 25 through 27, it says, the Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, go and say to this people, when you, go and say to this people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. As we continue through the rest of this chapter and into chapter 11, uh, Israel's refusal to hear, to truly hear, with a receiving heart is the theme. Uh, he'll show what that means or, or what it meant to Israel um, and also what it means to us as non-Jews or as Gentiles is how it refers to us. Um, what, what does this mean for the future of the, Israel, of the nation of Israel? So we're going to look at what it means to us and what it means for Israel. Uh, verse 18, it continues on and says, 
But I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? Yes, they have. Now, heard there, that's, that's the verb again, so not the noun. So have they heard the message? Yes, they have. The message has gone throughout the earth and the words to all the world. But I ask, did the people of Israel really understand? Yes, they did. For even in the time of Moses, God said, I will rouse your jealousy through people who are not even a nation. I will provoke your anger through the foolish Gentiles. And later, Isaiah spoke boldly for God, saying, I was found by people who were not looking for me. I showed myself to those who were not asking for me. But regarding Israel, God said, all day long I opened my arms to them, but they were disobedient and rebellious. God's plan to restore Israel always included a door of opening up salvation to the Gentiles. That was always part of the plan. 1,300 years before Christ, Moses spoke of this time when God would reveal himself to the Gentiles or the foolish Gentiles as he refers to us. And that one day they will see us living in the promises that were originally given to them and they'll become jealous. So it was Israel's prophesied rejection that then opened the door for us to having a way to salvation. And moving into chapter 11, verse 1, it says, I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Of course not. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. For anyone who would believe that Israel is no longer God's chosen people, or that uh, he has taken his promise away from the nation of Israel and given it to the Gentile church alone apart from Israel, um, Paul is clear on this, and he says, of course not, of course not. And the first piece of evidence that he offers is himself. Uh, in Philippians, he talks about himself saying how he is a Hebrew of Hebrews. Uh, from birth, training, practice, he was a true blue Jew through and through. <laughs> and God chose him. He, and he didn't only choose Paul, but he, the early church was, was almost entirely made up of Jews up through about the halfway point in Acts. It was, you know, God presented salvation, presented the gospel to the Jews first. So did God, um, so God did not reject the Israelites, and Paul continues to make this point as we look forward into verse 2. He says, no, God has not rejected his own people whom he chose from the very beginning. Do you realize that what the scriptures say about this? Elijah the prophet complained to God about the people of Israel and said, I don't know, he said, he said, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And do you remember God's reply, he said? No, I have 7,000 others who have never bowed down to Baal. So if you look back at the question in verse 1, and then the second part of his answer in verse 2, he refers to Israel as God's own people. God made a covenant with Israel where he said that he would be their God and he would be, they would be his people. 
you look back in Genesis 17, 7, it says, 17, verse 7, it says, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. So God made an everlasting covenant with Israel. But if you remember, not all of Abraham's descendants are truly children of the promise. We read that back in Romans chapter 4, verse 12, where it said, And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised. This is all of Israel. He's a spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. So it's kind of like a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not necessarily a square, right? The, the, the Jews are called, but they have to have that same faith that was birthed in Abraham, that, that, that was alive in Abraham, that, that made him righteous before God was this faith that Abraham had. So being of the lineage of Abraham is not enough, but God has a plan for Israel, for the nation of Israel, that the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will put their faith in Jesus. There's a plan that the nation of Israel, that there will be those who will put their faith in Jesus. And I don't believe that means every single Israelite is going to, or every single Jew will be doing, will, will have this awakening, but there is going to be a great awakening that is going to happen in Israel. Um, back in verse 2, Paul brought up the time that Elijah lived in. And uh, it seemed to Elijah that the entire nation was lost, that, that it was lost in rebellion to God, um, that, that it was lost for good. He's like, I'm the only one left, and I'm going to be killed, and then there's not going to be any, and it'll be over. There'll be no followers of God in Israel. But God told him that there was a remnant, that God was preserving a remnant in Israel. And then uh, he says in Romans 11, 5 through 8, says, it is the same today, so it's the same in Paul's day, for a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because of God's grace, his undeserved kindness in choosing them. And since it is through God's kindness, then it is not, their, not by their own works, for in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. So this is the situation most of the people of Israel have not found the favor of God they are looking for so earnestly. A few have the ones God has chosen, but the hearts of the rest were hardened. As the scriptures say, God has put them into a deep sleep. To this day, he has shut their eyes so they do not see and closed their ears so they do not hear. In the New King James Version, verse 5 reads like this. It says, Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. So in Elijah's day, God reassured him that he was preserving within Israel a remnant. It was quite small. So it's only 7,000. Now, it seems big compared to just being one. Like Elijah thought he was the only one, but 7,000 still wasn't very much. There was around a million Jews in Israel at that time, so 7,000 was less than a percent of the population, um, but there was a remnant that was faithful to God. If we look ahead to uh, 57 AD, 
to the time that Paul was writing Romans, the vast majority of the Jews had rejected Jesus. But by God's grace, some were able to receive and become a remnant. But as for the nation as a whole, God had solidified their hard hearts. They were already hard, but God allowed those hearts to continue to be hard for the time being um, as they were rejecting him, as they were being rebellious. And, uh, and he had a plan for this. Looking at the history of the nation of Israel from the time of Christ until today, we see that even though in their rejection of Christ that they were scattered from their land, <clears throat> we see that there's still more evidence that God is still preserving them. So at the time of Christ, excuse me, at the time of Christ, even though the country was under Roman rule, uh, the land of Israel still was populated by majority uh, Israelites. There was 75% of the population of that region was Jews until shortly after Jesus' death, around 70 AD, and then again in um, 132 AD, there was uh, wars against Rome. The Jews revolted against Rome, and they fought, and during these wars, uh, many were killed, many were enslaved, and, and many were dispersed uh, throughout other lands. And so by the end of that second war, the population of Jews in Israel had dropped to below 10%. Not only were the Jews not living in their land, <clears throat> but even before that, um, they had not existed as their own nation, having their own government uh, since well before the time of Christ. In fact, um, Israel has been so decimated it had been so decimated as a nation for so long that uh, in 1911, the, the leading encyclopedia of the day, the Encyclopedia Britannica, published uh, this thought, and, and they're referring to the Hebrew language. <clears throat> and uh, looking at Israel they, and uh, thinking of the Hebrew language, they said the possibility that we could ever recover the correct pronunciation of ancient Hebrew is as remote as the possibility that a Jewish empire would ever again be established in the Middle East. That was published in 1911. <clears throat> 36 late years later, on May 14th, 1948, they had to do a revision. Today, there is a Jewish nation in the land promised to Abraham, and they are speaking Hebrew, and the very existence of Israel living in the Middle East is a testament that God has not rejected his people. Uh, back in 1948, when the nation of Israel, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the nation of Israel has been reestablished in their lands, there was around a million Jews living in Israel. And as of uh, 2021, uh, Israel's population has grown considerably, and now there's about 7 million Jews living in Israel. About 74% of the population of Israel is Jewish, and uh, it's about 7 million Jews. Now, the sad part is, is that among those 7 million Jews living in Israel, only about 30,000 of them, or about 0.4%, have heard the message of Jesus and received it. That um, They've received their Messiah as their own, only 0.4% but God is preserving a remnant. 
<clears throat> if we continue on uh, in Romans 11, 9 through 10, it says, uh, Likewise, David said, Let their bountiful table become a snare, a trap that makes them all makes them think all is well. Let their blessings cause them to stumble and let them get what they deserve. Let their eyes go blind so they cannot see and let their backs be bent forever. So why is it that there's just this remnant? Why is it that there's such a small number of people? It's because Israel's bountiful table has become a snare to them. This bountiful table is all the the amazing provisions and blessings, the covenant, the word uh, of God that was given to him, his law, uh, they, they've, they've looked at that and they've um, been content to have God in that form. They, they didn't want to have God in an intimate relationship. They, they want to keep God at a distance. Uh, but they were, they were just content to just have the things God had given him rather than wanting God himself. Um, it seemed that they'd stop chasing after him, that they were just proud of their position. In re- when, you know, when you, we all have this, this problem sometimes where we, we look at ourselves in relationship to somebody else and we think we look pretty good maybe. You know? uh, Israel's looking at themselves in comparison to the Gentile world and they were, they were happy with that difference. They were happy that they were God's people and Gentiles weren't and that was good enough. Um, when you look at Israel's history, it was kind of a theme um, at Mount Sinai, God spoke directly from the, from the mountain uh, to the people. And in Exodus 20, verses 19 and 21, he said to them, um, and they said to Moses, oh, he spoke to them, and then they spoke to Moses, saying, you speak to us, and we will listen, but don't let God speak directly to us, or we will die. Don't be afraid, Moses answered them, for God has come in this way to test you, and so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. As the people stood in the distance, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was. <clears throat> so they didn't want God to speak directly to them. They, they were content to stand in the distance. They wanted to be at a distance and hear from somebody else. And then if we look ahead in the time of Samuel, well, Moses was gone, but, but they were operating kind of in, the, Israel was operating kind of the same way. God was speaking to Samuel and Samuel was speaking to them. So they were still had this separation from God. And so, um, but then it went even further than that. They, the, the nation of Israel looked around, they saw all the other nations had kings and they wanted to have a king as well. And so they went to Samuel and they asked Samuel to give them a king. And the Lord responded saying to Samuel in 1 Samuel 8, he said, do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for they are rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. And so that was the heart of Israel as a nation. Not that there weren't a remnant that, that desired him, that were faithful to him, but as a nation, they, they, they didn't want this closeness. They wanted God at a distance. They, they wanted the provisions but they didn't want to have to die. <laughs> you know, that's what they said to, to, to Moses. Well, you know, if we keep on hearing God, we're going to have to die. We're going to have to actually change. <laughs> you know, um, but they wanted to keep God at a distance. Israel had the same desire for a king when Jesus came to earth. 
They expected that the Messiah was going to come to earth as an earthly king and establish an earthly kingdom. And Jesus did not come at that time to rule as an earthly king. They wanted God to give them a king that was going to bring them victory and peace and freedom. But their history says that they did not, they weren't looking for God to be their Abba Father. Uh, They weren't looking for him to be Emmanuel. God is with us. So when God sent his son and they rejected him, God hardened their already hard hearts. And instead, he welcomed those who were not his people. But a time will come when God will call the people of Israel and many of them will believe. In fact, if we jump ahead to verse 25, so this is actually going to be part of next week's message, but we're going to take a a little look at it. Romans 25 and 27 says, um, and I want you to to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And so all Israel will be saved. (coughs) As the scriptures say, The one who rescues will come from Jerusalem and he will turn Israel away from ungodliness and this is my covenant with them that I will take away their sins. Again, I don't think this means that every single Jew will be saved, but Israel will be filled with Jewish followers of Christ. And in that way, Israel will be saved, but we're going to dig in deeper in what all that means next week. Um, For now, we're going to move back into the section we're in. Uh, The next verse is Romans 11. 11. Did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Of course not. They were disobedient, so God made salvation available to the Gentiles, but he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. Now, if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer, of salvation, think of how much greater a blessing the world will share when they finally accept it. God's, did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? And the answer is no. Uh, if we look back in Romans chapter 10, we read that Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. So Jew or Gentile, you can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. So what did, what did happen? What does it mean? What, what did he mean when he was asking it, did they fall beyond recovery? I believe it is asking, did they, did they stumble in a way that the promises that God had made to them are now void? That, that they have no way of being part of the promises that God made? Did their rejection of Jesus make it so they missed out on any chance of salvation? And the answer again is no. Think about it. The, the all-knowing God made a covenant with Abraham and his descendants. And, and so God, all-knowing, foreknew that they would reject Jesus. They knew that the, he, they would reject his son. Now, would God make an everlasting covenant knowing that Israel would fail? If it, would, he, would he make a covenant that was contingent upon Israel's faithfulness when he knew that they wouldn't be faithful. Of course, he wouldn't do that. God's covenant was not based 
on Israel's ability to be holy, but it was based on God's ability to make Israel holy. Just like it, you know, it's not based on our works that make us holy, but it's God who makes us holy. We're both the same in that regard. But God chose Israel to be his people. He chose them to be his vessel. He chose them for his purposes. You know, sometimes people can be kind of hard on Israel, but if any one of us, if our descendants were the ones that God chose for his purpose, we'd have the same story. We're all human. We're all man. We all had the same sin nature. And so um, to judge the, the, the Jews, to judge Israel as if somehow our ancestors would have done it better um, is kind of silly. And so... But what did happen? What did happen when Israel rejected Jesus? What happened at the crucifixion? If you remember at the crucifixion, the veil tore. The Holy of Holies uh, was left exposed. God's presence left the temple. And, and shortly after that, the Holy Spirit was poured out on man. The Holy Spirit came to live in our hearts. And so um, that system of sacrifices came to an end. There was no uh, atonement through offerings at the temple anymore. God didn't live there anymore. Jesus had come, he died, he'd risen, and, and he'd made a new way, a new covenant. Um, so the sacrifices of Israel no longer cover their sins, and uh, there, was a, there was a way now for man to become a child of God, where God is their father. And just to make sure the Jews did not hold on to this system of sacrifices, he used Romans, not the book of Romans. He used the Roman army. Uh, he used the Romans to destroy the temple to fulfill Jesus' prophecy in Luke 21, 6, where he said, speaking of the temple, speaking of the sacrifices, uh, he said the time is coming when all these things will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. So, that prophecy was fulfilled and that time of the old covenant came to an end and a new covenant began. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. God had a plan wrapped up inside Israel's stumbling. God had a twofold plan wrapped up inside Israel's stumbling. One was to bless all the nations, to bless the whole world, and the other one was to restore Israel. It's kind of weird. Through Israel stumbling was actually going to lead to their restoration. His plan from the beginning, from the beginning of his covenant with Abraham, was that through the descendants of Abraham, all nations would be blessed. That was right from the very beginning. That was the plan. And Jesus was and is the fulfillment of that promise. And Israel's rejection of him both before the crucifixion and resurrection and after the crucifixion and resurrection um, led to that being opened to the rest of the world, led to, to his promises being opened to the rest of the world. Uh, verse 11 said, they were so disobedient, um, sorry, they were disobedient so God made salvation available to the Gentiles. It's verse 11. They were, they were disobedient and that led to salvation being made available to us. Now, you may remember uh, Jesus on his way to Jerusalem it, in what's known as the triumphal entry. He was coming in and people were worshiping him and the Pharisees were, were telling Jesus to tell the people to stop, stop worshiping him. And he said, if they stop worshiping them, the rocks will cry out. Well, apparently, 
we're somewhere between Jews and Iraq, okay? <laughs> because he, he decided to give us a chance uh, first. So the gospel went first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And Paul continued this same pattern when he went from city to city. Uh, even though he was called, if you remember, Paul was called the apostle to the Gentiles. But if you read of his travels, if you read in his letters, he would go to new cities and he would start by going to the Jews first. He would always go to the Jews first. The Holy Spirit was first poured out upon the Jews and they had an opportunity, but they rejected it. And then it was sent to the Gentiles. And so uh, Paul followed that pattern. He went to the Jews first and then some would receive, but largely they would reject him and they would chase him away and he would go to the Gentiles. It was almost as though he was going to the Jews first, knowing that they would reject him, but wanting them to know what's going on in the Gentiles, to kind of get their attention so they would see what's happening over here and that maybe they would become jealous. Maybe their hearts would be softened and maybe they would turn and receive. We read back in chapter 10 uh, where Paul quoted Deuteronomy. He said, I will rouse your jealousy through people who are not even a nation. I will provoke your anger through the foolish Gentiles. Now, foolish Gentiles in the Greek, they like said it means between Jews and Iraq. No, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't really mean that. But, but that's the kind of humility that we have to maintain. You know, we, God, God actually called the Jews first, you know. He called the Jews first. So, for, for, like I said, for us to have some sort of a, an attitude as if we have some superiority over the Jews uh, is wrong. And we're going to look at that more next week. But uh, we were not chosen because we're better than the Jews or better than anyone else for that matter. But there are some who see God's acceptance of us as somehow elevating us. Um, but they said, well, we'll get into that more next week, but we need to have that mentality that we're somewhere between Jews and Iraq. Let's stay humble about it. And, uh, and uh, I, I don't know, I really wanted to get through this whole chapter today. We're only a little over halfway through. It's, it's all one big thought and it all ties together, uh, but there's just so much there, we're not going to be able to do that. Um, but I'm going to close with just three more verses and then we're going to take another little peek at some verses that we're going to dig into a little bit deeper next week. So, the last three verses of this section that we're going to read, uh, Romans eleven thirteen through 15. It says, And I am saying all of this, especially for you Gentiles. God has appointed me as apostles to the Gentiles. I stress this, for I want somehow to make the people of Israel jealous of what the Gentiles have. He wants to stress the point that he's the apostle to the Gentiles. He wants the, the Jews to know, hey, I'm, I'm taking this message to the Gentiles. Uh, you know, <laughs> I want you to realize that I'm taking what was originally given to you and I'm, and I'm presenting it to somebody else. He wants them to be jealous um, so that he might save some of them. For since their rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance will be even more wonderful it will be life for those who are dead. God used the Jews to bless the whole world. God's salvation came to the world through the Jews. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. And he came so that anyone who believes will be saved. 
He was a Jewish Messiah, but he came so that anybody who believes will be saved. And then God called Jewish apostles. The apostles were Jewish. Um, and he used Jewish apostles to bring the message to the Gentiles, to bring the message to the rest of the world. So if you think about that, um, today there are those who think that God is done with the Jews, but the church is this church that the Jews started. It started with the Jews. It was, it was an entirely Jewish population of the church in the beginning. And so is God done with the Jews if the church was started through the Jews? I don't think so. Neither does Paul. <laughs> he says it quite, quite clearly. God also has a plan for us Gentiles. Uh, God is going to use the Gentiles to in turn bless the Jews because the, the Jews are going to see us and they're going to desire to have the same blessings that were originally meant for them. They're going to see them lived out in us and it's going to make them jealous. It's going to cause them to want to respond to it, that they would receive the same gospel that we received. And then uh, we'll be blessed again when we get to watch God's promises come to fruition. Now we get to see his faithfulness shown to all the world that, uh, that those who were originally the recipients of the promise will turn and come to him and receive all of these promises uh, that were made. We look at the history and we look at way back thousands of years ago, all these promises that were made way back then and, and, and the prophesied return of the people of Israel that they'll accept it and that they'll, they'll be, their hearts will be changed and, and, and to see just God's faithfulness and just how amazing it is to see the, 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 the Old Testament prophecies come to fruition. Um, how amazing that would be. And to, to be able to celebrate the, the Jews who were dead in their rebellion to become alive again in Christ. Um, this is something we should be eager to celebrate. And quoting again uh, that quote from the Encyclopedia Britannica, it said, uh, this, this will all happen. There will be a turning. There will be a revival among the Jews. And this will happen as surely as the possibility that the Jewish empire will ever again be established in the Middle East. And we know that that happened. And so God's plan for Israel uh, will be fulfilled. And uh, actually, I'm, I'm always about to step on the toes of <laughs> some other things. But for right now, let's, uh, let's stand, let's pray, uh, and, and let's worship God uh, for his faithfulness. Lord, we thank you that uh, even from the beginning, you had a plan for us. Uh, your plan was, or was started with Israel. You started by, by choosing a nation to be your vessel, to be your tool from which you will bring forth salvation to the world, Lord. But you had us in mind from the beginning too. Lord, you knew from the beginning that Jesus would be rejected, that he would need to be rejected so that he could be crucified, so that he could die for our sake so that he could be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, Lord. We thank you that you had us in mind, that you didn't uh, make a plan only to save Israel, but for us as well, Lord. And we thank you that you have not abandoned Israel. We thank you that, uh, that you are a faithful God and we can put our trust in you, Lord. For if you were to abandon Israel, then you would not be a faithful God. 
And we wouldn't know that we could trust that you will never leave us and that you'll never abandon us, Lord. But we know that you are faithful. We know that you have preserved Israel uh, from the from the beginning uh, through today, and we know that you'll preserve them to the end, Lord. And we uh, we thank you that your word is true. It's to be trusted, and we've seen it living out uh, in in a miraculous way, just in the existence of the nation of Israel in the Middle East. That you are working, and that you we don't know how close, Lord, but we believe uh, the end may be near as your nation is alive in Israel, Lord, and there is uh, there is an awakening happening. There are more Christian Jews in Israel today than there was in the beginning, Lord, and we just pray that you would help us to be a light shining, that they might see it, that they might have their jealousy aroused and return to you and desire to have you as not just their God, uh, not just their King, but as their Abba Father, as as their, their God and intimate Father, Emmanuel, who is with us, Holy Spirit living in our hearts, making us alive and new again. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to close with uh, two more verses. Again, like I said, these are going to be ones we're going to cover more in depth next week. But uh, Romans 11, 28 through 29 says, Many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news, and this benefits you Gentiles. Yes, they are still the people he loves because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For the gifts, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Amen. Praise the Lord. God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. How many of you are thankful that God's gifts and promises are not contingent on our faithfulness, but on God's faithfulness? That he has given those who have received salvation through faith in Christ this grace in which now we stand. We stand in grace. We can't, we can't, mess, up, we can't mess our way out of it. Um, we've received by faith Christ and our salvation is secure in him. Just like God has not and will not abandon Israel, he will not abandon us. I don't know uh, how or exactly to what extent uh, Israel returned to Christ, but part of the plan is that we as Gentiles who have received and believed should be living in a way that is shining so bright that they will that they would see and that they would desire what we have. And, that, and this doesn't just mean for the Jews. This is for the, we want we want the people next door, you know, to see as well uh, that we're living in the promises of God. So, with Christmas in mind, this is one Christmas present that you can go around and brag about. You know, I, we all learned as kids not to go and brag about what you got, but. <laughs> You have to remember Jesus is the real gift of Christmas, right? We, have, we, we think about Christmas presents and we, it's very easy for us to get distracted. But Jesus is the real gift. And we can go and brag about that gift all that we want to. Um, and not, not that we have earned this gift, but that it was given to us even though we didn't deserve it. And that's, that's where the bragging really uh, takes place. Because we're not boasting in ourselves, we're boasting in what God has done for us. So... Let us, in the spirit of Christmas, 
go tell it on a mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord, proclaiming his great love for us so that the world could hear the message, to hear it, and to believe it. Amen?